symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. We welcome back Callum Barnes to the show this week. How are you doing, Callum? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really excited to jump into some WWF. This is completely new to me. As yes. I said, I'm a I'm a kid of well the '90s, but really wrestling fan of the early 2000s. So to see these, what I assume, aging legends in their prime is uh, with full heads of not grey hair uh, is going to be really fun for me. This is as soon as I saw this and I saw how long the video was. I realised this has got adverts in it because it's nearly an hour. <laughs> yes, like, this yes. is the one. This is the one to bridge that gap. So, um, yeah, as we sort of talked about, we have a different review to normal, um, a severe lack of UWF from May 1986. So I wanted to have a look at what another wrestling company was producing around this time. So I found this episode of All American Wrestling from the World Wrestling Federation that first aired in May 1986. Uh, and as we said, all of the original adverts are contained. So strap yourself in because we're going straight into it. The show opened with fireworks and shots of US landmarks as the All-American Wrestling titles rolled across the screen. We then got a shot of Hulk Hogan with a world title belt and various other wrestlers. Straight into some action from the off of Gorilla and Jesse Ventura on commentary. And then in a wondrous moment of technology, the action went into a smaller screen and we saw Gene Oakland in the WWF studio who said that in this week's featured bout, We'd be going north of the border to Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens for a match between the Moondogs and Jacques and Raymond Rougeau. And Gene said he liked the sound of those names and then said, oui, oui, monsieur, in a French accent. We'd also see Paul Ondorf versus Johnny K9. Jesse Ventura would be visiting JYD in the Haiti Kid. Plus, they'd be calling someone in the continental United States. And I'm not sure why. This was incredible. What did you think of this opening? Yeah. Okay, so the opening... It's so much fun to see those old WWE. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I meant to my, I meant to mute myself because I was about to cough. So you're back okay. on. You're back on, Callum. Sorry. Go on. Go on. I'm back on. Yeah. Um, do you remember several years? This is probably like about 10 odd years ago now, but I don't know how much the WWE still do it, but they they did a night, I think it was WWF Superstars, so not quite all American, where they had the old logo. They had all the... In uh, the apron ring, uh, sort of yeah, ring around the apron, retro the nights. Yeah, it was so good. And in the main event, they had um, Rolly Piper doing his Piper's Pit, and it was with John Cena versus Wade Barrett from his next state. If you yes. remember that program, um, this is this is one of the cornerstones of being a wrestling fan is that nostalgia that comes along with it, and seeing that old WWF logo with that rainbow look to it, yeah. and the the high 80s guitar, I think the music there, it's very, very cool. And as a as a kid, as a wrestling fan, a kid at heart, you can't help but smile and think, here we go. This this was I, I you know what? I haven't looked forward to reviewing a show quite as much as this one for a long, long time. Mm. And as soon as this starts, I was like, this is gonna be really, really enjoyable. And what definitely was enjoyable was next up a full slot of adverts. So which of these leading soft drinks gives you loads yeah. of vitamins? Pepsi, 7-Up, Coke, Canada Dry, or Yoohoo? Well, the answer obviously is Yoohoo. And as each vitamin or benefit was read out, a different kid would pop up and say Yoohoo in a high-pitched voice. They didn't add which which uh, leading soft drink is most likely to give you diabetes here. So I presume that would be <laughs> Yoohoo as well. <laughs> yeah. um, next up, John McEnroe, out of nowhere, talking about sensitive skin, the Bic Orange Razor. And Johnny Mac doesn't have sensitive skin, so he can use the normal Bic Razor, and you learn something new every day. Then we had some diet tablets called Dream Away. So basically, these things 
um, you had some women came in on this coming on the screen and talked about how much weight they'd lost. And this creepy guy said all you had to do was take them before bed and you'd wake up slimmer. And Dream Away was not available in California, presumably because they killed someone there, is what I thought. Um, what did you think of this first incredible ad break? I, just, I mean, the Yoohoo, that brown substance looked absolutely <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> what the hell was that? If you've got a nice, refreshing can of Pepsi and then you've got this absolute crap that it your mother's bought you. It might Yoohoo, mightn't it, really? With <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Uh, not uh, the best. John McEnroe, the, the perfect way to advertise, saying, I have normal skin, but if you're not like me and you are sensitive, then get this <laughs> shaving product instead. Like, brilliant way to uh, sell you the health of the crowds. Absolutely fantastic. So and yeah, good. The, the, uh, the diet pills, uh, need we say more? Yeah, the diet pills are bad news. Um, so next up, John Canine from Romania, allegedly, and actually was from Hamilton, Ontario, was up <laughs> first against Paul Orndorff, who got an absolute superstar reaction from this crowd. Yes. And this yes. match uh, was taped in, Et- oh God, I can't even say this, Etobicoke, Ontario. That's E-T-O-B-I-C-O-K-E, Ontario. One more time. April, uh, Etobicoke? <laughs> yeah, I, that's how I had it. Yeah, that's how I had it. Oh, okay, great, great. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. On April the 1st, 1986. Um, so an interesting little factoid about this time in the WWF, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, is that actually the WWF pretty much shut down after WrestleMania 3 for three or four weeks, um, aside from an Australian tour that we we'll talk about a little bit later. So all of these, though this aired some weeks after WrestleMania 2, this was all taped before WrestleMania 2. So then they, they did a similar thing after WrestleMania 3 as well. Um, so Don Morocco was on commentary here along with Gula Monsoon. And I thought Morocco did an excellent job here. And it was a bit of a mm. shame that he wasn't on this for more than just his first match. Um, and this was a few months before Orndorff's turn and big run with Hogan. And he won in three minutes and 12 seconds with a huge pile driver, which Morocco remarked that he would have kicked out of. Um, Orndorff then shouted at Morocco and it looked for a moment like he was going to go get in there with him. But then he quickly put back on his headphones. I thought this was great. Um, superstar reaction for Orndorff and the presentation was fantastic. Uh, what did you make of this opening match? Yeah, I think I've only known him as the heel, like when he went up against Hulk Hogan, right? So yeah. it was really, it was, I mean, amazing physique, crazy physique. He was so jacked and, and such a massive pop when he came out. He really was a superstar there. Um, he hardly took any offence in this match. Didn't last long. And yeah, again, the crowd was going absolutely crazy for him. Yeah, big time. Really good stuff. Yeah. Back in the studio, Gene showed off the Captain Lou Alba- Albano jigsaw and talked about his latest movie appearance in the Wise Guys film with Joe Piscopo and Danny DeVito. Have you seen that one? No. No, no, I haven't either. I think, yeah, very I recognize great. recognise it, though. Time. I know, I know like, the name, but I haven't yeah, the seen names. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had a WWF tour advert next, including an event at the Superdome uh, with the Fink doing the voiceover, and he'd throw in a name that was going to be on the card um, as we went through each event, basically. And we then cut to a WWF update with Lord Alfred Hayes talking about WrestleMania 2, which was a little under a month prior. So, you know, WrestleMania 2 is the only WrestleMania to ever be held on a Monday night. Why oh. it was on a Monday night, I do not I do not know. And also, I found out something also really interesting about this show the other day. Well, I found it quite interesting. I quite like niche facts about things. I've just Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, especially old stuff. Like I found out r- relatively recently that WrestleMania six was shown live on Sky, um, and they had a fancy dress party meetup in London somewhere for it for, for Hogan versus Warrior in 1990. The like, actual wrestlers. The no, no, sorry. Um, like someone at Sky or somebody arranged. Oh, like, okay. 
yeah, you could go somewhere in London. And I think those events back then were five, maybe a four or 5 p.m. Eastern, start 5 p.m. Eastern. So it have been 10 o'clock here, which would have been like 10 o'clock till 1 a.m. would have been perfect, wouldn't it? So just, it's, it's mad, isn't it? And then you, we didn't get WrestleMania live for two years after that WrestleMania 8. And 8 and 9 were live. Uh, I don't think 10 definitely wasn't. I don't think 11 was. I think 12 was. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy to think how... You know, I just, it just blew my mind that people in London were meeting up for, for WrestleMania yeah. 6. Um, but yeah, back on uh, Lord Alfred Hayes here. So he, where am I? Who, who he is talk- he, by the way? Who is Lord Alfred oh, Hayes? I've, so Lord never, Alfred I've Hayes. never come across this guy. So he's a very, like, very, I think, I believe he was a, a former wrestler, um, but he was oh. a, a one, of, one of the, the WWF kind of interview team, backstage team, did a bit of com- commentary around this time. Probably was in the WWF until about 1991-ish. He's not, no longer with us, alas. And he's, he's um, legitimately English, right? Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Known for having a particularly large appendage as well is uh, one of the famous facts nice. about him. Yeah, <laughs> so put, that, put, that, put 18 votes on the podcast now. Uh, so I've completely lost where I am with mine. Now. Oh, okay. So Lord Alfred Hayes, talking about WrestleMania 2, um, they showed some footage from the Funks versus JYD and Tito Santana match with the finish. And Hayes talks about a knee injury Terry had received on the night, and that was it. Um, not a huge amount. So there's anything to add on uh, Mr. Alfred Hayes or Lord Alfred Hayes, I should say, giving him his full title? No, no. I think he wrapped up quite well. Yeah. So Jose Luis Rivera versus Cowboy Bob Orton with Jimmy Hart on commentary for this one, along with Gorilla Monsoon. Monsoon called the WWF the mecca of all professional wrestling. Um, Orton took a bump, special boys place first into the turnbuckles, and Monsoon speculated that he may be a soprano after this. Um, Monsoon also said that he thought (laughs) Orton looked a little lethargic this week. Um, And legend has it that Gorilla would add something like a wrestler looks a bit tired or lethargic if he knew they'd had a particularly heavy night the night before. So I oh, okay. if Bob oh, Orton had been out on the town the night before. Uh, and like Orton, yeah, really like it. And Orton won with a great second rope superplex, um, which got a really good response from this crowd, even though he was a heel, in three minutes and 39 seconds. Good stuff again. Really enjoyed this. What did you think of uh, Jose Luis Rivera versus Cowboy Bob Orton? Wow, I thought Bob Orton was the face um, because of the reactions he was getting. Um, I guess the wrestling style probably should have given it away, but um, it was really nice to see Randy Orton's father wrestle. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever seen any uh, footage of him wrestle in, in long form anyway. Um, yeah, but not much to add to what you said. Really fine match. Uh, terrific suplex, a uh, superplex to superplex, win the yeah. match. Really good. Yeah, I, I thought that was, um, that, that, that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I was gripped. Really good stuff here. Oakland was then shown in front of a WWF set and Ricky Steamboat showed up. Uh, He said it's been a hard and rough year. He's been jumped many times, but he took everything in his stride and many times he came out on top. Oakland said he must be looking to bigger and better things. And Steamboat mentioned Randy Savage had the Intercontinental title, but that may be somewhere down the road. So they knew... This was probably taped just after WrestleMania. It probably was taped backstage at WrestleMania 2, to be honest, because they knew what they were doing. They knew a year out, that's where they were going. That's how far in advance oh, they were Oh, wow. Because I, I wondered, I said, I, I wrote my notes, did he tease the famous Savage match for the yeah. Intercontinental title? Wow. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, they did. That, um, that had a smile from me when, that, when he said that. So that that I don't I don't know with a savage and I would look I would look this up but my cat is in between me and the my laptop at the moment so I can't get to the <laughs> keyboard but um, I know that Savage and Steamboat did a pretty significant house show tour 
prior to their WrestleMania um, three match. I'm not sure what they did afterwards. I think the WrestleMania three match was the blow off to that feud. So yeah, um, yeah. So they, they so this they, I think Savage, Savage and Steamboat were linked together um, earlier than WrestleMania three. Certainly, um, basically. Uh, after he mentioned Savage, he talked about Jake Roberts, a newcomer to the World Wrestling Federation. And Gene ran down all the heels with their managers and how odd it was that Jake had, had the, Jake had the snake rather than someone like Jimmy Hart. Steamboat talks about Roberts adding injury to in, insult to injury after beating an opponent by putting the snake on their prone bodies. Steamboat had such an interesting style here, um, softly spoken. And I thought at the beginning, I was wondering, is this going to be awful? But I thought he just had this kind of like lovely charisma about him. Sort of bloke that you'd like, just take him home to your mother and she'd absolutely yes. love him and she'd like him a lot more than you. What do you think about this uh, this Ricky Steamboat promo here? Completely natural. And yeah. uh, Gene Oakland, as there's other promos that we'll obviously touch upon later, He's just there to background scenery or, or made a, a butt of a joke or for a big wrestler to say, give me that mic and then kind of push my oh, away. Mabel, this was actually... Oh, my microphone over then. <laughs> saw that, I saw that. Yeah. She's gone she down. She clearly now. didn't like my commentary. No, right yeah, now. yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he just came across as so... Uh, yeah, just so lovely. Uh, and it was actually like a genuine conversation that they were having. Um, I did find it funny though that at the end of the promo, he's just cut off and the music plays. Yeah. And then the screen fades to something else. And then you just have Gene Oakland saying, all right, guys, I'm just going to wrap this up. And then, like, it, was, <laughs> it was like the backstage guys are going, right, cut this. Yeah, come on, let's, let's get moving. <laughs> so I was, I was wrong about something I said earlier on. So I said that I thought that Savage and Steamboat was the blow off. Actually, um, in terms of... Um, do you know what? It's, it's crazy. So actually, Steamboat is talking about Randy Savage here. Steamboat first challenged Savage for the Intercontinental title on the April the 20th, 86. So after he cut the promo, before this aired. And oh, then okay. from, from um, July 86, him and Savage worked lots. So they did, trying to, trying to um, kind of filter out any cage matches here, but they did... Let me count one, two. Uh, am I going to count this? Lots of matches, basically. So there's probably yeah. 15, 20. Crikey. They, I mean, they were working everywhere, every single night, basically, all the way up to WrestleMania 3. And they, and they and their run together went beyond WrestleMania 3. And they were working together all the way up to um, June 87. So, On television? No. So this is the yeah. house, house shows. House so they, shows. They, they, they were doing... I mean, just to give you an example of this, in terms of, um, let's just pick a random week in uh, in January '87. So let's let's go through this. So they they worked uh, singles match on the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, thirteenth, sixteenth, eighteenth, twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty ninth, and thirty first. I mean, that's wow. just just cr- sorry. I'll tell you, I'll tell a lie. On the 29th, is a tag match with George Steele and Honky Tonk Man on the on the respective sides. But apart from that, all singles. So yeah, these two knew knew each other very very mm. well um, prior to that that classic WrestleMania three encounter. Um, yeah. Advert time again. Um, a bloke thinks a lady is wearing a Giorgio perfume, but she's not. She's wearing a secret perfume the secret perfume and it's a hundred dollars cheaper a couple of ladies talking about how good our secret was and i'm pretty sure this was this the same creepy guy from the dream Away advert yeah yeah that's the only thing i've got and yeah it is like and i guess if you can sell one thing you can sell, you can anything, sell it right? diet tablets and, and cheap perfume 
the creepster encouraged us to find a toll-free number or check it at a local store. And he said, if you weren't completely delighted, though his words, you could return our secret for a full refund, even if the bottle was empty. And the closing shot showed a guy kissing the girl's neck that was at the start while she looked at the camera with an expression on her face that read, I'm wearing a cheap old perfume and this loser is buying what I'm selling. And disappointingly, this advert was so long, it was the only one that we got during this break. So what did you make of our secret? And also, I mean, what's yeah, your fragrance of choice as well? Tell well, this is really bad because I wear... I wear Geo by Giorgio Armani. There you go. Perhaps you should wear our secret. I should, I should have been like, I should have been purchasing secret all these yeah. years. Yeah, I've been absolutely screwed out of some money yesterday. So <laughs> um, I the the part where they say that you can return it uh, and we give you the money back. I don't. So in the in the, the you know the terms and conditions at the end, it says so. It says this is warranted for 30 days. So it's not like you can have a have it for a year ah, and give it. How but then the shipping says three to four weeks. So if you get it, like really if you good. get it at the end and then the 30 days is up, I mean, you've only basically got a week if you're lucky enough you've to get it. You've got nowhere to go week. with that. Ha- great spot. Really great yeah, spot. Yeah. yeah. And you're not going to use all of that stuff in that. I mean, I suppose you could spray it, but then by the time you pasted it back, you're probably too late anyway, aren't you? And you'd exactly. have paid the paste at that days. point. They've got you. Yeah. Our secret's got you. Yeah, <laughs> incredible, incredible stuff. Um, back to Oakland in the studio and he threw to the Maple Leaf Gardens for our featured match in which we joined in progress. The Rougeos versus the Moondogs, Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon were on commentary and they were enjoying some delicious back and forth banter in this. Um, of course, Moondog Rex had been in Mid-South as the Nightmare and was a former North American champion. Um, everything either Rougeo brother did here got a great big reaction. Maybe you're going to behave yourself if you're coming back up here. Um, and there was a pretty significant go Ray go chant while he was suffering at the hands of the former nightmare. Uh, and this match took place on March the 23rd, 1986, on a card that was headlined by the Hart Foundation taking on the Killer Bees and also had the semi-main event of Andre the Giant teaming with the Junkyard Dog taking on the team Jimmy Hart and the Funk Brothers. That's Dory and Terry. Um, the, they built the heat on Raymond for what felt like an age until Jacques got in there and was a house of fire with some superb looking drop kicks. And the finish came in just over 12 minutes of television time when the dogs were thrown together. Raymond got Rex in a sleeper after a Jacques leapfrog, and that was enough for the win by referee stoppage. Now, this wasn't the most exciting of matches, but it was a classic old school tag team contest where they isolated uh, Raymond. He eventually got the hot tag, and hearing Jesse and Gorilla is always great. Um, and so is the crowd being so into the Rougeos. So what did you make of this Moondogs versus Rougeos match? Yeah, I've got to be honest, it was lacklustre. Um, <laughs> I, I was I'm being not... kind there, really, wasn't <laughs> I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you had very fair comments, so I have to say. I'd never heard of either of these teams. Now, did they do much of note in their careers? Uh, the Rougeos were around... Or were they known so, by different names? So uh, Jacques Rougeau was the Mountie. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the Rougeos were around for a little while after this. Um, Raymond I retired a bit earlier, I think, and he did some backstage stuff. Um, again, I could look this up, but Kat is blocking laptop. Yeah, um, that's but fine, yeah, yeah. Jacques Rougeau was around for, for a while, and then he was in the Quebecers later as well. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, there was a really nice spot, actually, where I think it was one of the Rougeos... Um, oh, no, it was one of the Moondogs was on the bottom, and he kicked out, and... It, while he kicked out, he actually um, booted 
one of the Rougeos, whoever was on top, in the head and dazed him, which then allowed the guy on the bottom to get back up and then deliver offence. Yeah. And I thought, that's a great spot because normally you kick out and then the guy waits for the other guy to get back up. And and I thought that was a lovely little spot just to buy a bit more time and keep it more believable. So, um, yeah, good good spot there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this was, the, I, as you say, it wasn't it wasn't going to set the world on fire, but it was um, it was perfectly perfectly passable. And the general presentation took it up a notch. Mm. Um, so, G, me and Gene Oakland was on the phone when we got back to the studio, whistling, and we had a banner that said "A moment with," and bizarrely, someone in the studio then held a gun up to Gene's head. A bad start. Um, Gene then appeared to be on the phone with Jack Nicholas, the golfer, and congratulated him on his recent Masters win. Come on, Mabel, you're in the way of my notes now. Off down you get. Um, Gene then said he had recently played a pro-am in Palm Springs and that his partner was a hooker, but that was okay because he sliced the ball a bit. So a bit of blue here for the dads watching All-American Wrestling in the form of a golfing joke. And I have to say, I love this. Um, what I didn't love something that's about to come up. He then asked Jack about him designing golf courses and Jack asked him what he shoots, and Gene said, high 70s, but if it gets any warmer, he doesn't like to play. Gene then asked his pal in the studio what his handicap was, and his pal pretended to be blind, which is as distasteful as it sounds, but Gene loved this, ate it up. He said golf was a wonderful game, and that Jack had made a buck or two teeing it up, and they should get out on the course one day. I There was one joke that's terrible, 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 but I thought this was tremendous other than that. What did you th- think of this uh, this phone call? I've got so much to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, maybe I, I'm, my suspension of disbelief isn't as good as yours, Steve. But I mean, what the hell was this? This is the most unnatural conversation I've ever heard in my life. I think he did this point, with celebrities every week. He <clears> talks about um, some, like someone, someone else later on, doesn't Oh, yeah, it? yeah, I'm going to get to that. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. get to that comment. Yeah, um, at one point, out of the blue, I mean, this conversation didn't flow in any way. At one point, out of the blue, he asked Jack, oh, yes, you've made a few bucks in your career, haven't you? And then the reply was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like if you'd been asked that by some <laughs> random person to rang you, you'd turn the bugger off. Like, yeah, you would. <laughs> what the hell was this? If there's any person on the not watching, but in the studio, in the production team that thought, oh, this is going to go down well, this is believable, fire them immediately because <laughs> nothing about this was was believable. And then he was like just bragging that last week he had Sonny Lipton on the phone. And uh, yeah, yeah. you're not going to get the heavyweight champ on the phone just chatting away about his career earnings and what he what he did last last year at Madison Square Garden for a gate. Like, you're not going to do that. <laughs> just bizarre to me. Absolutely bizarre. So, so not a fan. Not a fan. So it's, I liked it. You didn't. But it's, it's, yeah. all, it's all good. Anything else on this before we, uh, before we move on? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> it's advert, advert time. time, I think. Yeah, yeah, the voiceover guy said, this nerd is in for a blast. And then we got someone's head being blown off. And then a lady <laughs> that looked like Paris Hilton found the head and gave it back to him. And this advert was for a fresh breath spray called Banaka Blast. I think I'd rather um, not, I'd, I'd rather have bad breath, but my head still attached to my shoulders, I think. Um, <laughs> 
Next up, a chocolate bar, Nestle Crunch with Pete Rose of future WrestleMania fame. And not much this, the usual kind of fair kids with chocolate bars. Um, then her voiceover invited all hardworking Americans to rub it in. Now, there's a joke here that a handful of my friends who may be listening would get, but I'm not going to touch with a barge pole on here. Callum, remind me to tell you off air about this. Or alternatively, you can sign up to patreon.com mid-south moments for the unedited version. That is not, in case you don't get the joke here, that patron does not exist. So please do not sign up for that. <laughs> there, there is a patron that Dan set up, but there we go. Um, I don't think you can pay. Uh, this ad, I've given the secret away there, haven't I? The joke's gone. Uh, so this advert was from Muscle Gel called Absabine Junior. Not sure how to senior. Um, and there was a great song here, which went, put it on my back, rub it in, rub it in. Um, dull advert next for Formby's furniture painting or something equally dull. Then we got a destroyed <laughs> roof and then a much better roof protected by Thompson's water seal. Thoughts on these adverts? Wasn't there one about, uh, oh no, that was later on. The more adverts to come probably. Um, yes. Yeah, there was um, just classic adverts. There wasn't much to stand out. Like real dated marketing, I guess. But yeah, they were uh, they weren't as good as the previous ones that we've had. <laughs> no, they weren't. I kind of feel like they've gone going down in quality as we go on. Yeah. Um, back to Gene, who said he was in the World Wrestling Federation Sports Control Center. He said last week he had an opportunity to talk to Larry Holmes and he lost his socks on that one. Then he put a San Francisco Giants cap on. I didn't get this at all. Did you understand what Gene was on about here? I have no idea. I, no. I thought he was I thought he was a cool, very calm collective on screen. He looks an absolute mess at the moment. <laughs> Every joke is not landing at all. Yeah, he's had a few misses in this. He's um, a lot of misses in this. Yeah. They then through to Jesse Ventura's body shop. And this is a small home gym type setup with a few faces of Jesse on the wall rather than a car repair place. Car repair place, so I thought we might be getting. Um, JYD was there with the Haiti kid, and I was really dreading reviewing what might come out of Jesse's mouth here. Yeah, um, yeah. Jesse asked why this little dude was pacing the floor, and Junkyard Dog said he was keeping an eye out for the mouth of the South. JYD asked Haiti about Jimmy Hart, and he did a bit of shadow boxing ish. Um, JYD t- talked about how tall he was. Haiti said he was four foot two and there was no way Hart was getting away. JYD said that Haiti wanted a match with Jimmy Hart and Haiti said he was looking for him and he was going to chop his head like a watermelon. Ventura said he'd do a, f- do a favor or do them a favor and tell Hart that Haiti was looking for him, but then he'd sit back and laugh at what happened. And um, JYD warned him he might lose his teeth and would end up needing an orthodontist. And Jesse said an Adrian Adonis, which was the punchline to this skit. What did you think of Jesse, JYD, and the Haiti kid here? It was bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. The uh, the Haiti kid, he wasn't shadow boxing. He just did the same karate move over oh, and over okay. again. Okay. <laughs> which which I think the prompt was any time that Jimmy Hart's name was brought up, he should just do that. Like, oh, uh, I didn't that, spot that, that one the first yeah, time. That's, yeah, that's what it was. He was just like constantly doing the same karate move over and over again. But uh, <laughs> they teased something in this. They said that, uh, I think it might have been when they threw it back to the studio, but Gene Oakland teased something. Did you pick it up? You know what it was? I I thought Oakland, the next week, in in reference to Jesse, what he was about to do. Yeah, Oakland cracked a couple of short jokes. And I thought he he talked about Jesse co-starring in a film with Arnold Schwarzenegger down in Mexico. But then he made some joke about that Arnold was on honeymoon at the moment while Jesse was down there. And that's how important Jesse was. Did you yeah, again, that? again, another weird one. But that was uh, the Predator. Yeah, that was yeah. That was teased. Yeah. yeah, 
yeah, yeah. which I thought was cool. Yeah, did Jesse have a big? Cool. I've not seen it actually, but did Jesse have a big part in that? Oh yeah, he's like uh, he's pretty much top billing. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, they were good friends. They were really good friends. Okay, um, I guess from the bodybuilding in a couple of films. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Um, Jesse was only around in WF for just about another four years at this point. And I think he was, you know, relatively big for his boots. And I'm sure his Hollywood success probably played into that, definitely. Oh, massively. Yeah. Um, advert time. So lots of shots of the galaxy with a voiceover encouraging you to pick up Omni magazine, the first magazine of science, fact and fiction. And in the background, a few creepy shots, lots of creepy stuff in the 80s, creepy shots mm. of various sci-fi type things. Um Next up, a polar bear talking about how frightened he was of all the wine coolers he saw and how he was worried he wasn't going to pick the right one. And this was until he found some country, which was the perfect mix of wine and fruit juice. This then took a very sinister turn as the bear took his head off to reveal kind of an older gentleman. And he said, if you didn't say some country was the best, you better sleep with the lights on. So what's going to happen? You're going to get killed if you don't agree that some country is the best wine cooler. Bizarre. Guess so. Yeah, weird. And then an AK rifle water pistol, fun for all the family with imitation guns. And the kids were absolutely loving this and going to war with each other. Um, Then last up, we had a guy with a drawn on kind of cartoon beard running through what appeared to be a college common room or dorm room and with people looking scared of said beard um, and how basically he should shave it off immediately with his brilliant Bic razor. Um, Yeah, I, I don't even know what to make of these. What did you make of this collection of adverts? They've gone downhill a bit since yeah, you started opening it, but um, it was actually quite nice. Uh, probably shows how much of a kid I am that the, the toy gun advert really got me, <laughs> got me gripped. <laughs> you wanted one and of those water pistols, didn't I wanted, you? I wanted one of those water pistols. They were yeah. insane. Even though last time we got together and reviewed a show, the whole the fun time for the whole family was legitimate guns at a gun event. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is like this seems to be a little bit better that the family can have fun in the back garden with water pistols that look like guns. So this That's, is a bit um, more PG, wasn't it, really? A bit more PG, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I was I was glad that we've upped the ante with, yes. uh, with what we're doing in terms of adverts there. Back to the show and a wrestling match, of all things, after what seems like quite a while, <laughs> mm. uh, between the tag team of King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd. So these two were big losers the previous month at WrestleMania 2, and they were up against the team of Hillbilly Jim and Ted RCD, who got a pretty good reaction coming out here. Vince McMahon and Bruno Sammartino were on commentary and mentioned this was supposed to be Jim and Andre rather than RCD, and they weren't sure why Andre wasn't there. So this match was taped prior to WrestleMania 2 on March the 31st, 1986, at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie is an odd-looking word. Andre was not booked anywhere else on this night, and believe it or not, post-WrestleMania 2, would only have five matches in the WWF prior to the showdown with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 3. So he worked all Japan between April 86 and June 86, and then was severely limited due to his back issues. He also filmed The Princess Princess Bride? Mm. Princess Bride, yeah. Mm. I don't know why I'm thinking Princess Diaries. I don't know what that is, but Princess Bride in this time. Um, and basically, he, he had to have an operation after WrestleMania 3. 
um, which kept him out of action for most of 1987. So he only had eight matches in 1987, just to show how limited this guy was. And he was back to a far more regular schedule in 88 and 89, where he did 122 matches in each of those calendar years. Good Lord, wow. Yeah, which is a lot. Um, anyway, back to this one, which didn't include the big man, and I'm out of the Andre the Giant wormhole that I got into. Um, this went only two minutes and 33 seconds with Jim and RCD winning by DQ after Stud shoved the referee during a double team attack on RCD. Any thoughts on this short tag match? It was Vince McMahon, wasn't it, on contrary? Yeah, yeah, I really, yeah. I really enjoyed Vince on commentary. I thought he was great. He Obviously, he knows exactly how to promote the wrestlers and the storylines and, and what to say that was um, really good. Um, I'd never heard of the... of uh, You know, I'd heard of King Kong Bundy and, and Big John Studd, but I hadn't heard of the faces. Um, so that's probably me needs to do a bit more kind of homework there but oh, um, Jim he retired he had to retire quite early but he was involved in um oh, okay. bits bits and pieces of kind of like the WWF legends and would be at, at like access and things but he might have popped up uh, but he I think he had some sort of quite bad back injury RCD was like a strong man that didn't last all that long oh sure yeah again that world's strongest man type of moniker that seems to be passed around yeah. so much oh fair enough exactly fair enough. That. okay exactly yeah that. That, that that's fine yeah um the crowd very much into this match up until the disqualification. I thought that they they seemed to again want a big showdown, whereas it was quite limited. So, that yeah, not not much to say around the ending really. Is it, it did feel quite flat to me. Yeah, it did. And this this was very much. Uh, they didn't even want um, RCD and uh, Jim to do the job on TV. So this is why that this is why oh, that, this sure. was okay. what it was basically. Um, yeah. So back to Gene, uh, and he's he's again uh, on the set rather than the studio. So I suspect this was taped probably at WrestleMania 2, maybe, or even one of the TVs beforehand. Um, and he said the first thing he did after WrestleMania was head down under. And what a time he'd had down there. He was also wearing a hat, I guess was supposed to look like it was from Australia, but it wasn't. He didn't go full Crocodile Dundee here at all. And um, I talked about last week. I've just been listening to an, to um, a, the podcast Between the Sheets with David Bixenspan and Chris Zellner. And they were talking about this. It's a WrestleMania 3 podcast. I'll highly, highly recommend their patron. Are you, are you familiar with this one? No, I'm not. No, but uh, I've seen your tweets. Uh, we spoke yeah. about it. I do need to I would get, in, get involved. If you like my new mm. show, I would get I would get involved in it. I mean, the WrestleMania 3 podcast, I've nearly finished now, but it's four hours and 25 minutes. And it's just yeah. incredible. Like every week, every newspaper every publication the wrestling observer other wrestling news from the time every single thing is covered in so much incredible detail oh, and good that, stuff. Yeah, yeah it's so so good and they completely dispel the myth of the you know you know the wf number ninety three thousand one hundred. okay yeah well dave Meltz has been pushing a building record thing that he got from um Zane Breslov, who works at WF, that the, the tenants was only 78,000. But that's pretty much completely dispelled in this podcast in terms of wow. it was definitely near, in terms of number of people in the building, it was definitely nearer 93 than it was. Really? Um, oh, so that's the yeah. number that they put out was actually legit. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, it's pre- oh, pretty much that's legit. a hell of a number. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, this the podcast is so good. But that, it's, I even saw someone tweet about it yesterday. I think Dave tweeted about it yesterday. It's like, Dave, you know, this is not right. Like you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be keep pushing this. And I think he got this, but the 78 number apparently didn't include club level suites, but mm. um, I'm going off on a tangent now, but the suit, the, the silver dome had over 80,000 fixed seats, right? So the, so the seats yeah. not on the floor over 80,000, 
they reckon someone got a high resolution photo and counted the number of people on the floor and it was like six and a half thousand or something um, oh god so there was minimum eighty six thousand in there and two or three days before the event the silver dome and the promoters were putting out in local newspapers please do not turn up at the silver dome we're sold out it's complete sellout Mm. You look at the photos, there's no gaps in there. It's completely from the rafters. And what happened, what ended up happening on the day is that they still had quite a, because back in those days, like obviously people would just turn up to things and buy a ticket. I remember doing that at a football a lot and they had quite a significant walk up and they let a lot of people in standing room only. So yeah. in the end, it would have been high 80,000. So that number that I, it's like, it doesn't compute. Where's the 10,000? Where are the 10,000 seats if it's 28? And that's never explained. But anyway, I digress. Um, they also talked about the WF running tours in Australia. Um, and they ran in Australia straight after WrestleMania 2. And they would send really, really terrible crews out there, like not good at all. Um, and basically, they, they ended up doing really bad business in their final tours in 86. And that was prior to a 16-year gap before the Global wow. Warning Show in 2002. And that, that they first went to Australia in 85, and I think they had pretty good television there, and that's what kind of made it work. And that was a full four years before the first ever World Wrestling Federation event in the UK, uh, which is the WF on Sky One show from October 10th, 1989. Were you even born at that point? I mean, you were, were you? No. no. Um, which was at the No Longer With Us London Arena, headlined by Hulk Hogan defending the WF title against Randy Savage. Anyway, I'm out of that cool. wormhole now. Back to Heenan, he said Oakland looked like an out-of-work boomerang salesman before yep. Big John Studd came in and said that Oakland probably embarrassed himself on the trip down under and probably acted like an ugly American. And Gene got a really kick, good kick out of this. So I wonder if something did happen down there. And yeah. Studd and his yeah. tag team partner, Bundy, talked about all the people that were ducking them, including Orndorff, Hogan and Andre, and how he had won the title at WrestleMania 2 but the cage door was not a proper size for him to walk through. So obviously he didn't win the title. Um, this ended with Heenan running down the hat again and Oakland saying it had been a gift from the Prime Minister of Australia. I thought this was great stuff from everyone. What did you think of this? I thought everything was great up until that mm. comment where Gene Oakland said, yeah, this was a gift from the Prime Minister of Australia. And again, who's believing this guy? Seriously. <laughs> Is anyone going to believe the guy? Well, I believed um, him. So he even, okay. he even named the Prime Minister actually, didn't he? I think. He did. He actually yeah. pulled that one out. Okay, so fair enough. Fair so it enough. Could have, Still, I it could have been, but I, I doubt it. Yeah. Um, doubt it. But no, the Big John Studs was, it was a really good promo. And to your point, um, yeah, it's great when there's a little little touch of truth to it because yeah. you know that it's it, it makes it something else. So yeah, really good heel promo. I don't think I'd ever heard Stud cut a promo before again because he's, he's kind of like, he came back in 80, late 88, 89, but He's in that era kind of before I was watching when there's not, you know, there's more stuff available now, but certainly not mm. week to week television available. Um, so with mere moments left, we've got another advert break. Uh, first, a couple of guys looking happy and another couple of blokes singing guitars, singing with guitars about having the blues. Not sure what this was for. Did you see what this was for? They didn't say I didn't. No, I didn't. I am. Um, this was when I was started to walk away and do other things. But it was because I saw oh. there was a couple of. I know. Wow. <laughs> the truth revealed. Because I saw there was uh, I saw there was only like a minute or two left and uh, and it just was the adverts, right? So I was like, oh okay, there we go. So I started to wrap up what I was doing. Tut, tut, tut. <laughs> um we you I guess did you miss the next one with the uh very questionable advert with someone 
uh, purporting to be native to Antarctica, talking about wine oh, coolers. Yeah, like he said, there's 30 words for cold, but there's only one word for cooler or something like that yeah yeah cultural appropriation there this is bad really bad news let's move on from that in more uplifting news we've got vince mcmahon advertising thumb wrestlers and we've got kids playing in the back of a car a battle with hogan and roddy pipe on their thumbs and then the iron sheik encouraging some kids playing with these thumb wrestlers at school to get back to class um, we then got a creepy shot of loads of babies uh, the theme of creepiness continues then a woman talking about where you go next is up to you on a honda scooter just absolutely weird um alfred hayes did the promotional consideration piece for dentine gum for fresh breath then an advert for seven up um and curel which which ends dry skin and most women agree apparently liquid plumber to finish and that's it thoughts on our final advert segment i was just trying to figure out who that uh the honda scooter model was she's a model was she and- famous then Oh, yeah. yeah, like she was one of the models that was in, um, oh, what's that really good um, George Michael song, Freedom. You know, he's got all the uh, models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was just trying to do a quick Google for it. But yeah, she's very famous, very striking. She might have been a Bond girl as well at one point. Oh, really? Okay. Did you not find the Honda scooter to be out of this world? I wanted that thing. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, did you not? That that reminded me immediately of uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. I've just just done it, but I can't. Joe, you know what? If I I put I put Honda scooter model nineteen eighties, and it's just bringing up the Honda exactly. scooters. Yeah, that's one exactly of the pictures what I... <laughs> does have the girl in it. Um, Grace Jones. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it? I thought that was it. I thought that was her. Um, yeah, I, I really wanted one though. She sold that to me. <laughs> I just think that I would probably die on a scooter, like a horrible, horrible death. So, um, yeah, not- I'm constantly fighting the battle to become a 16 year old kid on a scooter again because, um, when I go, when I travel to Greece and I normally just jump on a scooter to get around the island, yeah, yeah. so we- they're so much fun. They're so much fun. Oh. And I know that my midlife crisis, which is coming, I am going to be a guy <laughs> that gets a motorbike because they are so much fun to drive. <laughs> oh, I just think, I'm sure they are, but yeah, love it. I, every I, time I, I'm on one, I absolutely love it. Perhaps that's com- coming soon, like Harley Davidson or something coming soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so Gene signed us off talking about what we had in store next week, which we won't be reviewing. Um, highlight because it's not, it doesn't exist. Highlighted by Randy Savage in a singles match, plus Jake Roberts in the body shop. And that was it. I absolutely loved watching this show. I like Gene. I put Gene was so good, but I suspect your view might be slightly different. I'm You're really looking through rose tinted glasses. I am, this I is, am. Yeah. You are, aren't you? This man was awful. Oh, he wasn't awful. <laughs> I thought it wasn't was en- as cool as I thought he would. No, been. perhaps not. I thought there was enough razzmatazz and star power and wrestling uh, to make this work. And you can see why the WWF was doing well in 1996. I can imagine, this is the thing, like, I can imagine a dad sitting there with his 10-year-old, or, you know, perhaps I should, you know, dad and mum sitting with mm. his 10-year-old son and daughter and laughing at some of Gene's shtick and Bobby Heenan and that sort of stuff. And the kids getting into the characters. And I think that's why 80s WWF was so good. Because you look at the crowds, it is families, it is it is older guys, it is younger people. It's just, and they, I, I just thought the tone of it. I remember watching WWF in 1990 with my dad. And he would crack up with some of the stuff that Bobby Heenan said. I just think when I was probably like eight or nine and the tone was just 
they just got it right here. I think they really, really did. Uh, so what are your it's final thoughts on this? This uh, Sorry, Callum. I've, your final thoughts on this episode of All American Wrestling from May the 5th, 1986. Yeah, and to your point there, mate, like it is a family show. They hit every nail on the head, every every demographic. I always liken it to, to, to the Shrek films. Like I remember when I first saw the Shrek film when my father took me to see it and he's cracking up laughing at the jokes particularly when like Shrek and Donkey get to, this is how much of a geek I am, Lord Farquhar's uh, castle. And it's so big. And Shrek goes, oh, I just think he's compensating for something. And my dad laughs at that. And I'm going, oh, what's funny? I don't get the funny, but I'm laughing at the talking donkey, you know? It hits every nail on the head, yeah. every demographic. You really can have the whole family watch it. And yeah, I, I think you perfectly summed it up. This is exactly why the WWF were doing so well and were going to be the big behemoths that they became because they knew exactly what product they needed to put out. So this thing, I wonder, I, I thought about this a little for a little while about Raw and there's probably a way to do it, but I can't. I wonder whether you could turn Raw into more of a, um, not necessarily a full arena show. So perhaps you could take for, for 90 minutes or whatever, um, there would be a difficulty with the edits in and out, but I think you could do a, you could do a show that was two and a half hours or three hours where it was perhaps a little bit more studio based video packages, et cetera. But the problem with it would be, you probably have to tape the wrestling element the night before, and then you'd have spoilers out there and that wouldn't probably please USA network. But mm. I think there's something to be said for um, a wrestling show being done in a different way to just, an arena and you know, weekly TV of WWE uh, and AEW is very similar. And really, when you think about it, it's in an arena, you get a few backstage things, but with a show like this, you, you've got creative license. You can do, you know, you could do a couple of, uh, they did something on SmackDown, which I, I was really impressed with Lacey Evans last week. Um, sorry, not last week, three weeks ago from when this is out, four weeks ago, probably. And um, when she was just talking about some of her upbringing and stuff, I was just thinking, this is exactly the sort of stuff that should be on these shows, not just yeah. promo match, promo backstage skit, promo match. It should be something different. And I think this is what was so refreshing about this All-American Wrestling. It was just different scenes. Matches yeah. in different arenas. I, I really, really like this. Really like great it. pacing. I thought the yeah, pacing it was. was fantastic. It was great rapid, pacing. wasn't it? Yeah, really, very really rapid. rapid. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. And that is it. Thank you very much for being on the show. As always, uh, we've got a Rev Pro show. I don't know when this is airing. This we'll probably have a Rev Show probably two weeks after this. Or maybe yeah, even a right. Week. End this of is May. Something to look forward to. May the twenty second. So I can't wait for that. Um, and next week, we'll be back with Terry Canova and Phil Stigal looking at the UWF in June 1986. Until then, thank you very much for listening, and we shall speak to you all again very, very soon. Yeah, this is Eric Watts, and for all you phenomenal wrestling fans and fans of this podcast, please do me a favor. If you're looking at uh, more information about Mid-South Sports, Power Pro Wrestling, Universal Wrestling, go to universalwrestling.com and check out that website. It's a must-see.